Hello and welcome to another episode of Write with Influence where I share my persuasive writing and messaging techniques for making more sales in your business. And welcome to a new year of Write with Influence 2020. I hope that you are well, uh, you're keeping warm and if you've set some resolutions I hope that they're also going well. If you decided not to set resolutions that's fair enough, well done for not trying. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I do like a new year. I think there's something fresh and inspiring about it. But I also know that life itself doesn't plan itself around a new year. Sometimes you're having your worst possible time whilst everyone else is banging on about giving up alcohol or meat or sugar, getting fit, being mindful and thankful. And if you're not having a great time, it's enough to make you just want to seek solace in wine, pie and cake. So whether you're flying high in a fit of productivity this new year or just wrapped in a duvet hiding away from the world, I am here for you. Today we're going to be talking about why people really buy products, how you can make mistakes by making assumptions, and then how to use the real reason people buy when you're writing your marketing or creating your sales pitch. Now, whenever we're selling something, we're giving reasons to potential customers about why they should buy what we have. And to be really effective, the reasons we provide should match up with what potential customers want. Now, in episode four, I talk about how we already do this quite naturally when we're trying to persuade people that we know to do something. For example, if you're trying to get your friend to come out for a night out, you know, when you tell them why they should do it, you're going to dangle in front of them the things you know that they like. This might be that it's a new bar or it's a chance to do some karaoke or just a new restaurant with great food. Well, when we write sales copy, we're trying to do exactly the same thing with our customers, provide compelling reasons for them to buy our stuff and to want to buy our stuff. But here's where it's really easy to make some common mistakes. The first mistake is to forget that you might not be the same person as your customer. You might not want the same types of things that they do and you might find it difficult to put yourself in their shoes and see it from their perspective. The second mistake is just making assumptions about what you think your customers really want. First, let's think about the fact that you might not represent your ideal customer. So the things that you find personally interesting may not be the same reason people want what it is that you have to offer. Now, I've seen this happen particularly with coaches and with teachers when it comes to creating courses and learning materials, because as a coach or a teacher becomes more and more experienced, it can be really easy to forget that some people who are still in your audience or new to you are brand new and perhaps beginners. Now, this might mean you downplay a course um, in the marketing that you have around it because you think it's pretty basic, but for someone who is new to the subject, this could be mind-blowing, and more importantly, this could be very, very valuable to them and something that they're willing to pay good money for. Now, similar to this is making a mistake about why perhaps you think people should buy your product as opposed to why they actually want to buy your product. Let's say, for example, you are the owner of a gym and you think that people should go to the gym because it promotes a healthy lifestyle, it's good for energy, fitness, health, mental well-being, etc., etc. But your customers might just want to look hot. They might just want to lose a bunch of weight, get really buff so that they can get more dates. I saw a brilliant advert for this for a gym membership um, by thegymgroup.com. And it's a picture of a guy and it just has the reason why he wants to go to the gym, which is so I can get swiped right. And they had a series of these adverts um, on billboards that all focused on the real reasons people wanted to go to the gym. 
Now, you might not even agree with the reasons people want your product. Let's say you teach French. You might think that people should learn French because it's a beautiful language and it can open you up to a new culture, but someone might come to your class just so that they can learn enough to get by in a job interview that perhaps requires some travel to France. So you may find that you you don't agree with the real reasons people are buying your product. The question you have to ask yourself then is, do I really not want these people as my customers? In which case you need to know that there are enough people out there who want to buy what you have for the same reasons that you want to sell it. Or the other thing to think about is, can I still have these people as customers and be a little bit more flexible in my sales message to acknowledge some of these customers' desires, which may not align with my own personal feelings? The next mistake is to make assumptions about why people want what it is that we have. And this can be because we're basing it on things that we like and want, we're making that assumption that we are our own customer, or we're just perhaps speculating about why we think people would buy what we have. I was thinking about this recently and I was reading a book called Hacking Growth, which is by Morgan Brown and Sean Ellis. And it's all about testing areas for growth in your business, but it looks at how we can sometimes make assumptions about why people love our products. And if you get this wrong, you could be building an entire marketing strategy that is way off the mark and then destined to fail. What I liked about the book is that they list some really interesting examples from famous companies that had to change strategy when they discovered why people really loved what it was that they had to offer. For example, Instagram was originally meant to be a location-based social network, but they discovered that most people weren't using many of the product features except the photos. And obviously that is something that we really associate with Instagram today. Pinterest was originally supposed to be a mobile commerce app, but most people weren't buying. Instead, they were just stockpiling photos of the things that they wanted within the app. And then YouTube apparently began as a mobile dating site, which I didn't know, but people weren't just uploading video profiles, they were sharing videos of all types. Now, it's easy to make assumptions about why someone wants your product, but as I mentioned, this can mean you invest a lot in taking your marketing in one direction, only to find that you failed to hit the target. We heard a little bit about this in the episode with Carl Gillis, that was episode five, ethical copywriting tips that make people buy. Carl mentioned the carport example where the firm spent a long time talking about all the materials and the physical features of the carport. But when they surveyed customers, what they discovered is that people liked to carport so that they didn't get wet while bringing their shopping in during bad weather. So you've got to be talking to your customers about what they love about your product and then take that research and weave it into your copy. Now, as a copywriter, I spend a lot of time interviewing customers and reading survey feedback, and it always amazes me when I meet marketers that don't do this. It really does make a difference between writing copy that everyone in your industry is writing and writing copy that stands out and speaks to someone like they're a real person. For my own personal research for this podcast, I spoke to my mum and dad, and I asked them about some recent purchases that they'd made and why they had bought them. Here's what they had to say. First up, here's my dad. What is the thing that you would like to buy and why do you want it? Uh, I want to buy an iPlayer 
because I left my last one on an aeroplane going to Australia. Uh, there were my own personal selection of songs on it, which I really, really liked, and I miss it, now. I'd like another one. Why did you like having one? Uh, I liked having one because uh, it broke up the monotony of, of long journeys, be it on train, be it on aeroplanes, uh, and it was music of my choice rather than tuning into a radio or something that is of limited choice. Lovely. Anything else? I bought a, a, a really nice sweater, which I really liked. Why did you like it? What made you want to buy it? Uh, it was an unusual colour. It was a colour that I've never had before. It was like a sort of a salmon pink. And if somebody had said to me at one stage, why don't you buy yourself a salmon pink uh, sweater? I would have I would have laughed at them. But in fact, I, I saw it. Uh, I had gone in just on spec looking at other sweaters in this particular shop. I'd already picked one out. And then I saw this one, which I, I liked its colour better. Uh, and also the fact that it was an offer as well. So a double bonus. Okay, so Dad wants a new iPod or an iPlayer, as he calls it, bless him. Um, As a terrible daughter, I've just realised that I knew this and did not get him one for Christmas, so that is now on my to-do list. And for him, the reasons why he wanted it was to break up the monotony of long journeys and to make sure that he had his personal music choice available to him. Here's something else to remember when you're doing this research, is that these might sound like very obvious reasons to you, but don't be so quick to miss it out of your copy. Remember, what might be basic and obvious to you could be just what your customers need to hear to feel confident enough to buy. Dad also mentioned the uh, the salmon pink sweater that he liked because it was different and it was a colour he'd never tried before. And this could have easily been woven into marketing around this piece if the company was hearing similar things. You know, perhaps promotion to encourage men of a certain vintage to be daring enough to try a new colour. Now, my mum's favourite recent purchases were some pots of paint and a tin of spray paint. Let's hear why. A while back, I bought a tin of gold spray paint. And it's, it's, it's paint that you can use on... Wood, metal, plastic, anything. And I've just, today, I've just sprayed the metal owl. And now this um, owl, who was all rusted and battered, is a bright, shiny gold. And is, I've really enjoyed doing that. But would you like something a little bit more than that? No, that's I perfect. Love, the other thing that I've bought at times is um, I like paint that you can paint plastic like um, outside or you can paint stone, wood, plastic and I bought this tin of paint and um, it it's called, it's like apple green it's a really really lovely colour and I, I could paint the uh, fence. I painted the stone supports that the fence is attached to. And they're all this beautiful um, pale green. And then, and I'd also bought a tin, I got a tin of um, uh, beautiful blue paint and also a mixture between a bluey green. And I've painted all my um, terracotta pots. And I've just had so much enjoyment. And the enjoyment is that I look at them now and they're not like anybody else's terracotta, terracotta pots in the world. 
the mine and because I've painted the lips of the, of the pot. But the best thing in the world that I've done is paint all these wooden fold-up chairs um, in different colours. I've had so much fun in the garden. I love it. Now, what's interesting with my mum's purchases and my mum's description is that in marketing, you're often told to sell the benefits. So in my mum's case, we might create marketing that just says, you know, transform your garden, make your garden unique and a joy to behold, etc. But that's a pretty big leap to get there from spray paint. And this is where features are critical because your features are an integral stepping stone to the benefits. Your features are why you can make the promise of the benefits. Remember that my mum mentioned the paint could be used on a variety of materials. Well, that's going to be important to justify the ability to transform a garden because you can explain that the paint can be used on wood, metal, it's going to stand the test of time against the weather, it can give a new lease of life to rusted ornaments, etc, etc. All of these details give you much more descriptive powers than simply saying that you have paint. And more importantly, it's aligned with what the customer wants. So remember to spend time not just thinking about, but researching why people buy what it is that you have. And check that you're not making assumptions or creating marketing that talks about why you think people should buy what you have instead of why they really want to. That just about wraps up today's podcast. I'll post some photos in the show notes of the gym advert and my mum's garden projects. And there will be a new episode coming soon. Don't forget to write in the comments if you would like me to answer a question on a future show. Till next time, keep believing.